0: In the same sense that, like, being involved with people five days a week for six months could, like, start to be like, this is starting to wear me out. Do Being alone three, four days a week for six months, trying to work and stay focused, like, you can have challenges
1: with that. You have to be, like, disciplined about stuff like that sometimes. Wiggity, wiggity, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Valor Coffee podcast. On this episode, we sit down with Sam Smith, not the music artist, but... Our friend and co worker. He is our lead roaster, roastery manager, and we get to talk to him about his transition from working in a cafe, being a barista, to starting to lead out in our roastery warehouse space and what that transition's been like for him. We also get to ask him a bunch of questions about dialing in roast, onboarding coffees, tweaking coffees, and what he's looking for. We also hop on the hype train and try a coffee from Jimmy Butler's Big Face Coffee. It's a washed Burundi that was super exciting to taste and enjoy. That coffee review segment is going to be at the end of the program this week, so stay tuned for that. As always, if you enjoy the show, please rate, review, like, subscribe, and just share it with anyone that you think would be uh, blessed by it. Before we move on, we wanna shout out our coffee course community that we're building. There should be a link below that will allow you to sign up for news and updates as that begins to build. But we're gonna have resources on there that will help just in general with coffee training, coffee knowledge, how to start a coffee cart, how to start a cafe, how to manage and run your cafe. We just wanna share and build up the coffee community with what we've learned and uh, highlight other awesome people in, in the industry doing great work. We hope you enjoy the show.
2: Cheers, boys. Cheers. Compiles. Cheers. Compiles. Sam, welcome. Thank you. We're sitting here with lead roaster himself, <clears throat> Samuel Dawson Smith. There he is. Yes. You can edit out the pause. You know I will. You know I will. <laughs> Samuel Dawson. So, Sam, let's just open up this podcast really quickly by... Who do you think you are?
1: And what gives you the right?
2: I am. Who do you think you are? I am. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, thank you. That uh, about wraps it up. Sam has been with us for two, two and a half years? years. Yeah, two and a half I'm years. Doing some change. yeah. Mm-hmm. And heck, you, uh, you're just making your way up, aren't you? Coming, you're vying for everybody's job. He's like right. Josh
1: Groban. You raised me up. You know what I mean. <laughs> I love that. This song. guy's going Groban That's on us right now.
2: Moves me. Uh, so we're just gonna have a nice little conversation with Sam, and I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, more Are you guys of excited? a sit down. Yeah, yeah. It's a sit down. It's a conversation. But we're drinking some crazy coffee this morning.
3: Shaka. And the packaging is crazy, at least. The packaging, true. at the
2: very least, is crazy. We're sitting here with a coffee from Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler's own... Jimmy Butler owns... <laughs> Who's Butler That's owns? also true. Jimmy Butler owns... Jimmy Butler's own... Big Face Coffee. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> more, yeah. More around this. That's
3: good. And...
2: Oh, I'm trying to think of when we first heard
3: of this. Hmm... I think it just hit coffee headlines. So the
1: COVID kind of NBA bubble, he started Mm -hmm. making coffee, Mm -hmm. Big Face was born.
2: I I think that was the story. Uh, There was no, because, so the NBA during 2020 played their playoffs at Disney World. So cool. In uh, a bubble where no one, them and their families were not allowed to leave, so no one would go get covid and the old pond papers look They didn't have any Disney World doesn't have at least that part doesn't have good coffee. Heck, I would say none of Disney World has third wave coffee. Whoa. But I've got Whoa. to tread lightly when talking about Disney World's coffee. The shots fired. Uh and uh Jimmy brought all of his own coffee set up, and he was selling pour-overs out of his room to the other players for, like, 20 bucks a pop. (laughs) And
3: He was low on gas?
2: From that, you know, Big Face was born. He's just an entrepreneur. Which really makes me think, and I've seen this a little bit with some coffee influencers who are getting into the coffee game. That's such a good angle to take, in my opinion.
3: What specifically?
2: If you're going, if you have the chops to do it and you're going to start a side hustle, make your side hustle be growing an influence on on social media or an influence of whatever kind because then you have this path to where you grow an audience and then you link off and you say, hey, I'm starting a company. And because especially, you know, in, the, in that progress, you know, as you're coming up with your, your audience that you're building, you can... Uh, monetizing that through ad deals or whatever and then you create this product that you can sell and you transfer a lot of your existing following to that instantly
3: you're saying jimmy butler's initial audience was because of basketball yes yeah yeah yeah.
2: and i i can tell you right now that a lot of he's introducing a lot of people to specialty coffee Mm. who previously were just into basketball which is awesome i think that's really cool um, I know someone might roast this in the comments and there might be some sort of scandal that I don't know about oh, or something, but nah. I don't know about it. So so it doesn't well,
1: exist. Basketball is my favorite sport. I love the way they dribble up and down the court. <laughs> Anybody want to name that movie? Name that song?
3: You guys getting the pomelo on on this uh, oh, yeah. this coffee or oh, yeah. the gooseberry? Or?
1: Honestly, I think, is a pomelo a grapefruit?
3: I th- I thought it was grapefruit, because Jason.
1: Because I didn't look at this. I was drinking the coffee and I said, grapefruit.
2: Dude, so, so happy. I for guess you.
1: I am getting the Pamela Ross.
2: <laughs> but we are going to talk about this coffee and give it a score a little more at the end of the podcast. So stick around for that if you want to hear yeah. all those juicy, juicy details. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, in lieu of a
1: coffee Q&A moment here, we need to address something. <laughs> Kind of on an emergency level. And the thumbnail's going to be like, an apology.
2: But it's not really an apology, it's just us.
1: Let me hold this. We ruffled some feathers, was it a couple weeks back?
2: Yeah, I would say so.
1: Um, Riley himself went on an absolute (laughs) tirade. A tirade around the uh, lifespan, the life journey of an espresso shot. Um, and we just want to kind of check back in with you. Any, Am I okay? Is, are you okay?
3: Is your family
2: okay? Do you want to
3: issue any apologies or change your mind? Well, or, I haven't slept. Or change your address. You're weeks. worried people are going to start coming at no. you. Uh,
2: I do not want to issue an apology. <laughs> I'm okay. And I think it's really funny and really awesome that that reel has the best performance of any thing Valor has ever published.
0: Okay, okay. But <laughs> Riley, what do you say to the people who say, you're a liar?
2: Right. Oh, hmm, man. I would say, no, I'm not. Is that okay? <laughs> do we need to, do we need to right, pull this enough. up and break it down? No, we don't. So, <laughs> Are you sure about that? Yeah. So uh, if you haven't seen the real, but you, maybe you listened to the episode a couple weeks ago, we were discussing, first of all, The topic wasn't extraction and oxidation. The topic was bar flow efficiency. And the entire point was that to have an efficient bar flow, you need to get ahead on shots because that is the thing that takes really the most time. Uh, So to avoid the bottleneck, because the latte is the economic backbone of a cafe, (laughs) Which was, that's the funny part is that some people were commenting and telling me that it wasn't. And I'm like, okay, well, you're telling me that your cafe doesn't make any money. (laughs) Sorry. Anyways. Wrong. Wrong. uh, (laughs) The point was that you need to get a on your shots because regardless of continued oxidation and the coffee, there are just so many funny comments. Someone was like, it ends up sour and bitter. And I'm like. Okay.
1: Help me understand
2: that. Uh, the Regardless of any of that, if you're putting it into a mocha, it doesn't freaking matter. That just happened. Have you ever made a mocha with an old shot and a new shot? It's, it doesn't matter. It's going to be in a 16-ounce to-go cup. You're going to be okay.
1: Again, and it's going to be Awesome.
2: I don't want to sit down and get a sparkling water and an old espresso. No one wants that, and we're not going to give that. It's going to be fresh.
3: Yeah. And we obviously said that in the reel, but anyways. You were just saying, pull your shots ahead of time because most of them are going in lattes, and if they're not going in lattes, then pull a fresh one. Exactly.
2: Yep.
1: And this isn't like go 8, 10 ahead. We're just talking about 2, max 4.
0: Dude, I'm saying... I mean, if it's like if there's 1 p.m. on a Saturday the door, and there's 20 people, yeah, it's like you just cranking shots, I feel like.
1: Yeah, but just in reality, like, they're going to get used even faster than, like, you can't get that far ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Unless a lot of matcha lovers come in, and we understand that. Shout out to the matcha community. We see you guys.
2: All the matcha community listening to the Valor Coffee podcast.
1: Hey, they're that, they're out there, man. Yeah. They're out
2: there. But anyways, just thought it'd be funny to address. I got a lot of people telling me that I'm intentionally misleading people for some gain. At least he finally addresses yeah, it. We're just
1: hoping that yeah, other I get, I get money it.
2: for every old espresso served. Did you guys know that? <laughs> <You> Man. Jeez, <get, laughs> you must be making a lot of money off Valor. Yeah. <laughs> wow.
1: And what's funny is that this is coming from you, the guy who's like always trying to buy and uh, innovate everything that we do to make coffee more excellent yeah i know like he puts forcing, the tea in DST, people you know to
2: use the barista hustle auto comb behind the bar and
1: we're enjoying
2: it it's awesome Awesome. a lot longer of
1: a lifespan than uh
3: the moonraker, the moon-raker. <laughs> yeah the moonraker's out guys it's yeah out. i'm just glad you've acknowledged everything that happened yeah. And I'm glad we have a path forward.
2: And that I apologized. Yeah. And that
3: you apologize for misleading. And completely misleading. 100% owned
2: everything. <laughs> yeah.
3: So,
1: hey, what do you say we move on out? Okay. Move on up and move on out.
2: All right. So, Sam, as someone who came from working behind the bar for some years, right? Yeah. 18 years, yeah. man. Like 18, 19 years? Something like that. Yeah. Like four Four-ish. or five four or five yeah uh i have to know so barista uh, i'll preface with this okay i'm getting choked up uh we've had sam on the program before and i'm sure we dove delved
0: delved into
2: your story in that one so we're not gonna who cares we're not gonna go too far on that
1: previous (laughs) episode tagged below guys yeah totally
2: (laughs) uh and for sure, but you worked behind the bar. Then we hired you at Valor. You worked behind the bar somewhere else. We mm-hmm. hired you at Valor, and you were part time packaging and fulfillment, and then part time working behind the bar.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: then you did you go straight from that point? Did you ever do all packaging and fulfillment, like but not roast? We didn't have anything to do. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think I worked. It was like by the end of it, I was just working one day a week at the cafe, and I was doing like packaging, packaging syrups,
3: kegs. Yeah, that was days. like right at the time where we were starting the cold brew. Yeah, you rolled operation. out our cold brew program. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. dude. Yeah, yes,
2: you got a lot of experience with cold brew. <laughs> Dude, yes. shout out to the
1: Java sock. You know what I mean?
3: <laughs> yeah. Do you remember how we did that, dude?
2: How I will remember for the rest of my
0: life how we did that. <laughs> yeah, I literally explained it to Luke the other day. Like, dude, I this is what I used to have to do, and I was like, also one time Ross broke that ek over there, so I would have to go to the cafe. <laughs> <in> the <next. laughs> He he load like, up oh. his Camry
2: with buckets of <laughs> like coffee, drive to the cafe,
0: grind 45 it. 45 pounds of coffee.
2: Come back.
3: You sweat it out a lot for us, Sam. Thank you. Yeah, it's you pretty sound. funny.
2: That is, that's something. But Made it
3: through a lot of podcasts.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we have had many different uh, iterations of our cold brew. So maybe, not even maybe, heck, we're going to. Give some good breakdowns on how you can start a Cold brew program in our course community.
3: Oh my gosh, Riley. That's a good one.
2: Yeah. Whoa. And so if you want to sign up for details on that, find it at the top of the description below. Had a good bit of signups. Like I'm not even lying. Three, like, four. Like three, four, five. <laughs> Above one. Now you have to say I'm not
0: even lying every other
2: time you say yeah, we don't something. know when you're misleading. <laughs> us. Yeah. Lying. So you know, working your way into packaging and fulfillment and then eventually working your way on up to roaster. I think that is the trajectory that a lot of baristas plan to take as their career path forward. Someone's on back there. The espresso maker. Oh, uh mm-hmm. and I think that's the career path that a lot of baristas plan as their Path forward to continue working in the industry and making a uh, a better wage, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. transitioning to salary, etc. Little
1: Monday to Friday action.
2: Yeah, Monday to Friday. Uh, how's that shift been for you? You've been you've been in it for a hot minute now. So, um, is it what you expected it to be? Is being a roaster what you expected it to be? And just to be clear, your title here isn't lead roaster. What's your title? Dude, like five things. Yeah, it's, I think that your title warehouse is. Warehouse manager. Yeah, it's like roasting operations and warehouse director.
3: Director. director.
2: Associate. Uh, I'm saying? the director.
1: <laughs> warehouse.
2: Dude, Roud. <laughs> You're the Roud. Roud. And
1: lead Roud.
2: So to be clear, <laughs> you maintain this facility. With the help of your dear friends, Luke and Blake. Indeed.
1: Is there anything you want to say to them real quick?
2: Uh, You guys are awesome. Couldn't do it without you. You purchase cup, sample roast, all green coffee. Yeah. And then you order it, and you production roast it. Mm -hmm. You quality control our product, Mm -hmm. including... Some at the cafe, but especially here mm-hmm. on the cupping table two times a week. Yeah. So that's a lot in one role. And that is kind of a testament to, I mean, being a small company is that you, yeah. you know, another bigger company might have three people doing what you do, which is awesome. So with all that being said, what's it like being a roaster? And is, <coughs> is that, is it what you expected it to be?
0: Um, yeah, it is, so, I mean, I feel like I'm a roaster some, but I don't feel like that is my job. I'm not like, when someone's like, hey, what do you do? I'm not like, I roast coffee, because it's not really what I do. It's probably like, not even half of a work week, Um. but roasting is how I thought it would be. It's a, it's, it's more fun for me in the way that my brain works, I think, because it's a little more like solo work and it's less, it's like cup and coffees, thinking about what they taste like, thinking about how I want to roast them, paying attention to how to roast them. It's like all kind of, it's very, I just think about it a lot and I taste it and I think, and I can kind of just like get in this work zone and do that. And I enjoy that type of work over the type of work that you're commonly, you know, doing at a cafe, but, um, also just, I was going to touch on the nature of a small company thing is it is what I expected here. Cause you guys are pretty clear with how, like what my role is and how it's developed. And, It's kind of like growing this, like as this grows, I am coming up with systems and protocols and like building out the structure that will be here, which is a way more like engaging long-term challenge than working at a cafe for me. So that stuff is fun. I don't get to spend like a whole lot of time doing that, but just like building something out is something I've never really tried to
3: do before. So that's fun. Mm. Just to stay on that a little bit how when you first got into coffee, did you get into it primarily for the coffee side or the hospitality and service side or as a job or for the power. I mean you could have got any job, but like specifically what what drove you to that yeah. That industry. you going to take that? No. Take that, that industry, you know, is it? was it more the, like, I want to make coffee, I'm passionate about coffee, it's interesting, the machines seem cool, I want to learn how to pour latte art and, like, educate people, or is it, like, I am a people person and I want to serve people with hospitality and kindness?
0: It's honestly hard to remember, but I think it was probably a bit of both. It might have been... I think where my headspace was at when I got my first job in coffee was, like, my friends work there. I do like people. Coffee seems cool. And you guys had been into coffee, and, like, we had talked about it, and I had been, like, as a hobby kind of into good coffee and was, like, it would be cool to learn how to make good coffee. So I was interested from that aspect to, like, the work would be fun,
2: but also just, like, dealing with people would yeah. be – was probably, probably primarily – Quick touch of backstory there – uh Ross, Sam, and myself went to high school together. We were in chamber choir. Yeah. Right? That's right. And uh, Tenor? Yeah. <laughs> tenor, baritone bass. Yeah. All right. We could do a little number for you right <laughs> now if you, Ethan, want. you got
1: <laughs> I can your soprano. I want It's now soprano. Like alto like tenor? Ethan's soprano. Uh, yeah, I didn't go to high school with you guys, so.
2: <laughs> so Let's
1: keep it moving. And then our... <laughs>
2: Ross and I, our our second coffee job Mm -hmm. was Sam came and worked there with us.
3: Yo, Sam, keep up, bro. (laughs) Right. So the reason I bring that up is you're talking about the journey of of coffee people and how they start in the cafe and they're like, I want to move up. I want to move upwards to being a roaster. And my point with that is I feel like a lot of people get into the coffee industry not primarily because they are people people, but because they want to make coffee. Yeah. Like I... I, The reason I say that is because I have talked to so many people that apply at Valor, and they're applying for their first coffee job, or this is their second or third coffee job, and I asked them why they're in the coffee industry. And they were like, I just was like fascinated with coffee, and I wanted to learn how to make it. But I feel like when people get into the coffee industry solely for the interest of making coffee, they burn out because the people side of the coffee industry overtakes the coffee side of the coffee industry yeah. when you're behind the bar five days a week and you're just yeah. serving people all the time, yeah. especially in our model where like the amount of time that you're actually on Expo making drinks is like two hours of your eight hour shift, so you're just around people and uh, that makes sense why people want to move towards like a, a warehouse job yeah because <laughs> they they can like stand around a cupping table and talk about the nuance of you know the ROR of their last roast uh, as opposed to like asking some someone that they don't relate with at all how their day was over and over and over and over and over again yeah and so i mean for you i remember that transition <clears throat> of like we we hadn't taken very many people from the cafe and brought them to the roastery but we knew that it was such a different job even though it's in the same company even though it's in we're, we're still dealing with coffee the the people and the hospitality and the service side of the coffee shop are, like, the main highlight. Like, mm. that's what you think of when you think of the coffee shop. Here, I think of, like, project-oriented work, yeah. task-oriented work, and solitude, honestly, and, like, repetitive-focused work. Like, that's, that's, like, the opposite of a cafe. Yeah. You know, how was that shift? How was that shift from, like, going from – I remember us talking about that in your in your interview of like of interviewing here. How we we talked about how how you think you'll adjust to a shift oriented work, which is at a cafe, you're just on a shift with people all day, to a project and task oriented more uh yeah, you're just alone here sometimes. Uh yeah.
0: it I think I prefer it. A bit. I think I prefer it, but it comes with its own sets of like challenges and downsides like being alone in the same sense that like being involved with people five days a week for six months could like start to be like this is starting to wear me out Do being alone three, four days a week for six months trying to work and stay focused. Like you can have challenges with that. It's easier. You have to be like disciplined about stuff like that sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I definitely, I feel like the transition was great for me. That was like specifically what your question was, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I enjoy and enjoyed working on bar and when I was there and stuff, but it did, it did just drain me a lot. Like my social battery being able to be here, I feel like I am just a more, like, mellow person. And there is this aspect of, like, turning it up when you're on bar, of valor, like, specifically. Uh, and it's really fun that that happens, and so leaning into that is great. But I like the task, the project-oriented. I like thinking about my day. I like having instead of, like, a shift clocking into, I like having things that I build incremental progress to. I don't know. It's more fun because I think it's just, like, more responsibility. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, I single-handedly have a much more influential impact on the company, which makes it, like, more engaging because the stakes are higher, I
2: guess. Uh, How have you been able to grow the discipline... It takes to often work by yourself. Like you have you and the others people who work here, including us as owners have a lot of autonomy in our schedule. So how do you, especially people who are coming from working behind the bar where a lot of things might be a, a task list that they have to do for the day. And then obviously just taking care of guests and brewing good coffee to developing project. Cause that's the thing. It's like, not only are you doing projects that we hand you, but you're also developing projects yourself because that's a part of your role. So how have you managed to, uh, get on top of that transition and was it a transition or did it just come natural?
0: I uh, it was definitely a transition. The part of it all being projects and tasks, adds like a different element of stress. Like there's a stress of being in a rush at a cafe and it's completely different than feeling like four days worth of tasks behind on a Thursday and you're like, I'm screwed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so like learning to handle that, those emotions is a different animal and I worked with that for a while. Uh, and But really the thing that helps with the transition is just kind of imposing structure on the work week. It's like, and we just had a lot of conversations about this over the course of months of just like use Todoist, use Notion, organize things like this. And it's like the things that I have to do every week, I put in one place and I see them all the time and I'm reminded of them. Longer term projects, you just put timelines on and then you put in structure of like, at this time, I'm going to review these things I'm going to look ahead at this time on this day in the week. And then I also just know the reality in the back of my head of like, if I don't do these things that are on this schedule, I will be behind in a week or two. And so there is something to do and I'm not having to like, think of what I need to be doing next often. Uh, because like when I do that, it's easier to be like distracted yeah, type of deal. So just structure probably is the
1: easiest way. Mm. we got to take a more serious note here for a second. What coffee are you the most proud of right now? And why?
3: <coughs> and who do you uh,
1: think you are? Dude, I'm probably
0: <laughs> the most proud of the Wash Ethiopia we have. <laughs> it's on the way out. That's probably the coffee I'm the most proud of because it is the – without a shadow of a doubt winner of the most improved award mm. superlative facts.
1: What does it mean to improve a coffee
0: from a roasting perspective? Uh, it means it doesn't taste bad and it tastes good. Now,
1: help
3: me understand what you mean. <laughs> well, it's, it's such a big highlight on, uh, on you, right? Yeah. Because, and that, that makes sense why you're proud of it because the green coffee didn't change. I mean, it, it it got older, but not by that much. Mm. And so you start it, and I'm, let me let me finish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You you profile the coffee. You you figure out, and we'll get to this later, but uh, you figure out how you want to roast it, and then you try to roast it that way. You're not getting the results you want necessarily, and then you just keep tweaking over time. Yeah. Hey, Ross, right. I'm going to stop you right there. Uh,
2: <laughs> I think that it would be a really good melding of some things (laughs) too. Can we just take a melding moment? Yeah, we're going to have a melding moment where why don't you talk to us about how you onboard a coffee in the frame of that Ethiopia and we can see, one, how you onboard it and two, how you took that coffee from uh, zero to hero, from rags to riches. Do you want to
0: go from like when I order samples from, um, take us back I, to the beginning.
1: Take us to where, like when you. Okay. You gotta be careful, talking Last right. time
0: you said that when I was
1: on here, I started in high school. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so you you woke up. Go. Uh,
0: <laughs> so I order samples and I cup. I sample roast coffees and cup them frequently. It's like every week I am ordering and receiving and roasting and trying samples
2: as a potential replacement for existing menu slots. Yes. Cool. Uh, I didn't know. I was just wondering. Typically, <laughs> asking for a friend.
0: Typically, that's exactly what I'm doing. Sometimes uh, I'm looking ahead for like blends and stuff, not necessarily replacing a menu slot, or I'm thinking about, yeah, yeah, those are basically the only two reasons. And so I received the samples. I received Ethiopia Torre from the importer, sample roast it, cup it. Among other coffees, like eight coffees. It was the one that I liked the most. I follow up with the people I want to buy it from, the company I'm buying it from, order it,
3: and... Can I just stop you right there? Yeah. What, what is sample roasting, and how do you do it? And what is the what is the cupping process with sample roasting like?
0: Okay sample roasting is basically just a way for like coffee importing companies to let roasters try the coffees they have offering in a not expensive way. So it's like we get samples for free when we order them from a company. It's like a hundred grams or 150 grams most of the time. Sometimes it's like 50. And I have a little roasting machine. Is it Ikawa, Ikawa? Yeah, Ikawa. Ikawa. Uh, little electric Ikawa. sample roaster. That's yeah, all it does. All, it, all it does, it's like a one-button thing. Technically has two buttons, but one is just a, a fan. And you roast 50-gram samples.
2: Yeah, you use your phone, and you can load up and change profiles. Full transparency, we have had the same profile running on it for... Years, years. If it it's worked, the huh? it's the Tim Wendellbow profile, and hey. I just went through and tried like all the profiles when we first got it, and just found the one that I thought highlighted the coffee specifically. So like pretty light, because uh, I was Nordic doing it in a roast. sample roast uh, mindset. You could, you know, change the profile and try to make it more like a production roast, and that could be helpful, and we've kind of talked about potentially doing that, but we haven't really done it yet. So
0: Yeah, it's something that's on my mind, but I haven't had time to like look super into it, honestly.
3: So when you're cupping sample roasts, what is there a different mindset with that versus when you're cupping our production roasts? For sure. Yes. Uh so with
0: sample roast, it's I mean, I don't know if this is technically a concept or if this is if it has a title or whatever, but in my mind I just call it like cupping around like a sample roast, like cupping around the roast of I can know that if I get an Ethiopian natural and I sample roast it, that profile is darker than I will roast it. And it's not like much darker, but it's a little bit and so if the coffee tastes like still pretty fruity like work as a caro sample roasted is like a super mid production roast is what it tastes like and when i nail a production roast it is it tastes like actual grapes you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh so that is in my mind just knowing that but when I'm cupping our production roast, I'm just critiquing my roast. That's, like, what I'm thinking about is, what about this don't I like? What do I wish tasted differently about this? Uh, in kind of, like, a perfectionist way, it's not, like, super pressure. I never, I'm never, like, expecting it to be perfect, and then I'm disappointed, but I am always, like, what about this is imperfect? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so sample roast, I'm tasting it. I'm, like, do I like this? Could it be better than, as good or better than what's on the menu now? Yes or no. If yes, is the price fair? Yes or
3: no. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. So do you remember what the sample roast of the Torre was like and what you yeah, saw it was great. in it?
0: It was, it was, it tasted like that like blueberry type sweet thing. It was muted.
3: It was like subtle. That that would be an example of where the sample roast was darker Yeah, what the production roast would end up being. Yeah,
0: Yeah. and but the coffee was really clean. It had like really nice black tea notes, and it had like this like blueberry, almost like a natural like flavor note, like a natural process at the front end of it. And I was like, "This coffee's awesome." And so I bought it. Does that answer that question? Yeah, Yeah. Okay, so I buy it. It gets here. I do a production roast. And I can't even, I could honestly find the curve from the first production roast, but it has to have just, like, been green, like, roasted way too quickly.
1: Like, it came out green.
0: It just tasted like <laughs> grass.
2: White coffee, that's what they call it.
0: <laughs> Crap. It just tasted, on the cupping table after roasting, it just tasted like grass, and I was like,
2: ah. mm-hmm. <laughs> Because... When you get that coffee, you roast it on the reference of a similar coffee from before, yeah?
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So, back to the the full process. It's like, I receive the coffee, I onboard it, basically I do a cost analysis on a shared spreadsheet, I uh, get flavor notes for our labels for the boxes that it's going to be on, I uh, make a profile in Cropster, the roasting software, and that involves a few steps or whatever. And part of making a profile for coffee is you can use a re- so like put a reference roast on it, which is just advised, like basically always, and. If I've never had a coffee before, usually if I'm buying a coffee and it's like a second year that I've had it, I'll use last year's reference roast or I'll just use the reference roast on the profile. If it's a new profile, I try to get the most similar coffee based on like process and then origin.
2: Mm-hmm. So if it was like a Ethiopia Yerg, you'd try to find another Ethiopia Yerg. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Do you know what the, do you remember what the flavor notes are on, <clears throat> on Tori? No. What's that like? getting flavor notes you know like i i feel like that that's an interesting thing to do whenever the production roast is still in development stage yeah you're trying to get the flavor notes for what this coffee will be for the rest of its time and of course you can change it if you want to but do you like getting flavor notes is like is that one of the things you enjoy doing or is it not I do like it. It's something that I need to... Golden Raisin Juniper
2: Citrusy, citrusy Sweet, just so you know. Okay. Thank you. Uh,
0: <laughs> I do like it. It's a muscle I want to work more. When I'm getting notes for stuff, I try to think of, like... When I'm thinking of, like, I want a note that's going on the label, I try to pick, like, the three most obvious things to me. Mm-hmm. Or, like... Two obvious ones, and maybe one that was like subtle, but I really liked or something. Like and spooky stories. Yeah, exactly. And I try to oh, think of like way more than I need for the box. I try to think of like four, five, six,
3: seven. I don't know if I can get seven. Do you seven. ever use the flavor wheel? Sometimes. Yeah.
2: So we can continue on what the rollout of coffees looks like, but something that stuck out is you were saying you're ordering coffees from a company and I want, I would like for you to touch on maybe the misconception of what purchasing green coffee looks like and direct trade relationships. I don't know exactly what you're asking. Um, hey Sam, do you think that you can talk about the misconception <laughs> of direct trade for smaller coffee roasters and how small coffee roasters actually order their coffee? Uh yeah, I can explain how
0: small coffee roasters order their coffee. Uh there are companies that their whole purpose is to source coffees and then import them into the United States to then sell them to smaller roasters. And they are called coffee importers. And Good. they they sell a <laughs> nice. variety of coffees. They also like importers vary in size or whatever. Like some people have, you know, a dozen or whatever options. Some companies have hundreds. Mm. Uh and you basically from the way a small roaster like Valor gets their coffee is
3: we're not that
0: small. I mean we're, we're calm down, Ross. We're small. <laughs> Uh, just getting more small. We work with these companies, and so we let them source the coffees from these various countries. And because they have better purchasing power, yes, yeah, exactly. And then they we buy it from them, Mm.
2: yeah. So the reality of that model, which is interesting, (laughs) is that we they're they're often, especially uh, more local locally present importers let's just be real all of our competitors are purchasing the same coffees as us yep and that is something that we just have to navigate and be like this is kind of just how it is
1: guatemala Ishlama, baby
2: yeah so yeah there's this coffee guatemala Ishlama, and we we don't look at things as like flat-out competition but it's just like if there's other roasters in our state we're we're vying for the same business on like with wholesale so whenever w- we plus methodical plus east pole plus second state out in charleston are mm-hmm. all serving guatemala Ishlama. it's like we all got it from balzac we all got yeah. it from balzac and we just kind of have to be like are we gonna use this coffee again because
3: That's the thing man a, a
2: lot of those that I just named are pushing more volume than us and probably have better uh, leverage to now go to Origin and develop direct trade relationships. But it is a, like an interesting thing to have to <laughs> consider that other people around you are probably going to have the same
3: coffees. Yeah, well, for all of those roasters, including us, you look at all of the different customers that they might have in a wholesale relationship. And in an e-commerce relationship and in a like in their own cafes. Yeah. Like every single category of, of customer that is consuming, let's say, Guatemala ishlama, what percentage of them know what Ishlama is, first of all? Mm-hmm. What percentage of them know that different roasters can have the same coffee, mm-hmm. even as a concept? And then what percentage of them know that one of the other roasters you listed have the same coffee, like yeah, five percent, yeah, three well percent. Now probably eighty, eighty-five because <laughs> yeah. you spell it all out. I this would say
2: that percentage vastly increases if you just take it from the pool of wholesale, yeah, or even like wholesale kinda, and yeah. e-commerce. Because well, I would, I would venture to say that a decent amount of people who are into high-end specialty coffee who have been to Valor's website have also been to Methodical's website. Mm-hmm and seeing, like, oh, they have the same coffee. And I'm not saying that's a huge deal, fortunately, because I don't don't think it is. Mm -hmm. But I'm just saying I would be lying if I said that those things didn't impact our purchasing decisions. Oh, yeah. yeah.
3: They do, for sure. My point is just, like, how much volume for a wholesale roaster, like a high-end roaster, like Methodical or like us, is going to come from high-end specialty coffee shops? Like yeah. not that much. Yeah. I mean, it's those are the ones you think about because it's like, ooh, our coffee's really spotlighted here and we're really like on a deeper good marketing presence. Yeah, yeah. especially a multi roaster or or a, mm. someone who serves pour overs and EK shots of single origin espresso and all that. Um, but it's so I, it, it definitely does affect our purchasing power, but at the same time, like specialty coffee roasters are becoming more of the norm now and not the exception. Mm-hmm. And so, normal people drink it. Is my point. Yeah, yeah.
2: It's just that—that's the hard part about being um, about being small. Is that you want like ex- exclusivity sells, okay. and uh, when you look at because he's tall, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it it would be really dope to be like we're the only people mm-hmm. in the world. That have this coffee. Yeah, you think yeah. big
3: face is going to have Guatemala Ischlama.
2: Yeah, exactly. Forget about uh, or, it. Or you know, about it. all of Onyx's yeah. twenty menu offerings. That I, I know some uh, some of them, some other people might have, but uh, maybe. Yeah, uh, that's the thing. Exactly. So yeah, and, and it's just and because of just the, the vast the amount of weight that you're, you're pushing, and that's a that is a reason to aim for growth mm-hmm. to be able to hit that level of being able to source coffees directly from a farm. Go down there. Pick your lots, and uh, you know, cup sixty coffees. Pick the exact one, and then you're like, "This coffee is from this farm, from this lot." Valor is the only yeah. company in the world that has this. Yeah,
1: it's kind of cool because you're single handedly supporting someone's whole business. Yeah. Hey, back to you in a second. I just feel like I have to say something now. Please, um,
3: it's a good time for that.
1: Personally speaking, from a personal standpoint, I think it's funny when. Roasters have the same coffee, and it makes me want to try them mm. because yeah. we have the coffee. And I'm
2: like, ooh, what does theirs taste uh, like? We definitely did that at Second State when we were in Charleston. That's right. That is absolutely right. They had the same Kenya, right? I think sure. three of the coffees on their menu are the same. Yeah. <laughs> yes. okay. They have good taste.
1: So what were we talking about with Sam? Where did we leave off?
3: Well, you, you were talking about production roasting a new coffee and, and how you... Decide reference. which, yeah, reference to use, but once you do that reference. and you taste that coffee, what are you looking for? Are you comparing it to the sample roast? Are you, yeah, like wh- what are the things you're looking for? And are there are there different are there like recurring improvements that you always come back to? It's like like when whenever you have a new production roast, are you like, oh, that the this variable needs to be tweaked, and it's kind of universally evident through all the different offerings. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: I basically, when I'm first profiling a coffee, I, ref- I put the reference to whatever's close enough I roast it. I taste it. I'm thinking about roast like flavors that the roast has imparted, flavors that the roast has imparted into the coffee. Um, So I'm paying attention to things like how long was the browning phase, how long was the development phase compared to how long I wanted them both to be. If it was, if they were both long or if the browning phase was long... uh, then I expect it to taste roastier. I expect it to taste darker. I expect, like a lot of those sugars, to be more muted. Uh, If it was roasted short, it's going to taste green. I pay attention to those types of things, Um, and I just decide, does it need to be developed more? Does it need to be developed less? Does it need to be longer? And then I roast it differently the next roast day, and then I cup it again. And that is basically... And it's like, I'll try it. And it's kind of just like dialing in on a really slow scale yeah. type of vibe where it's like, I know the coffee. I know where it's from. uh, I know how it's roasted. I can make a guess at the adjustment that needs to be made, and then I can taste it, and I can, like, you know, make another adjustment. And... That is just, like, the biggest thing is just, like, I pretty much since I've been roasting, maybe, like, the first two, three months I didn't do this, but since I started roasting, it was, like, I've been cupping almost every roast that I did of every coffee. And so... That's pretty cool. You just get familiar with that. Just cupping a lot, you notice what a roast defect tastes like. You notice what just like a a green bean defect tastes like. And you can start to notice these things. Yeah. So that's what I'm thinking about when I'm profiling, when I'm like
3: a new coffee and mm-hmm. cupping it for the first time. When you're dialing in that roast, you, you know, like all the different categories whenever you're doing like an sea cupping, you know, flavor, acidity, body, other acidity, ones. Acidity, body, uh, flavor. Do you think about one of those more than the other when you're dialing in a roast? Do you think more about acidity over the specific flavors you're trying to pull out? I feel like with people that don't have a lot of experience in coffee, they always think that we're trying to pull out like that blueberry note or we're trying to, you know what I'm talking about? When we're like dialing in espresso, it's like we need to pull out more of that graham cracker note. We yes. need that. So we're going to, but I it's like I we don't really think about it yeah. that way. So do you think about body a lot or do you think about mouthfeel? Sorry. Well, honestly, I've
0: started challenging my philosophy on this because I've had some darker roasted coffees recently that I enjoyed quite a bit. So uh, when I'm dialing, I'm paying attention mostly to... I guess you could call it flavor notes, but it's just like it is more so like how the how I think – I'm paying attention mostly to how I think the roast is affecting the taste of the coffee. Yeah. And so that expresses in all of those fields, in acidity, in, in flavor notes, in mouthfeel. It affects all of it, and there are trends to where it's like over-roasted coffee. Those three categories are affected the same way pretty much regardless of what the coffee that is over-roasted is Yeah. Um, I pay attention mostly. It's like... I'm mostly paying attention to flavor notes and how clear it feels like the flavor of the coffee is. I don't pay attention that much to mouthfeel. With some Central American coffees or, like, Kenya's and Rwanda's, I will pay attention to the acidity because those can just get really bright. Right. And so sometimes I've had... There's been a lot of variance in how I profile, like, Kenyan coffees compared to, like, other origins in my experience. So those I pay attention to the acidity more because it can kind of be, like, the best part of those, like, coffees or it can just be the part that makes it impossible to drink Mm. is the acidity of those, I feel like.
1: We'll have to have you on another time just to do a A to Z walkthrough of what is going through your mind in a roast, like start to finish. But when it comes to the torre, you know, you said it started green, had like a grassy thing going on. And then earlier you said it was most improved coffee. Can you think about some of the roasting adjustments that you made to get from green to great? Follow up question: I know music, right? You're you got a music background in sound. If something's not sounding good, a little quick fixes to scoop the mids. Does that have anything to do (laughs) with the roasting curve? Would you ever scoop the mids of your roasting curve, David Funk? Please wait, dude. Oh my god! Asking for a friend. You need a multi band
3: compressor for those mids.
1: (laughs) Or would you ever run your roast curve through the Lexicon?
3: Uh, Do you even no. remember the first question? <laughs> the second uh,
2: question yes. was so stupid. <laughs> it made me forget the first question.
0: First question was, how did I get so awesome?
2: Yeah. What did you change
0: about Tori? Dude, it is a very delicate coffee, even compared to Ethiopia's. It, what does that mean? When it gets put into the roaster, it just ta- it can't hold any heat It has a very low like thermal capacity compared to other coffees so like a roaster at 300 degrees might heat one batch of coffee this is totally arbitrary the measurements i'm going to have nothing to do with what i look at right but it's like, going to right to destroy down. Down. dude it's like one coffee here the roast curve the bean temperature the ror is lower than it is with ethiopia at the same charge temp ethiopia would reach a higher temperature faster even though the Roaster has the same thermal energy. So it's like aluminum foil. I don't know. why. saying this specific <laughs> coffee
2: isn't <laughs> as dense? Is as that what aluminum you would say? Foil? <laughs> it has a lower density?
0: It has a lower thermal capacity, bro. Like 10 pounds versus 10 pounds of a different coffee. Ethiopia gets hotter faster because it just absorbs heat But then it faster. loses it? So it's just a quicker?
2: lower density. Okay. It's Sim- simple.
0: Yes, lower density.
3: Yeah. Like so, aluminum foil. <laughs> what the dude, heck, bro? I, I could explain it, but it, hey, I, it no one cares. But it no. would make sense. <laughs> no, it would make sense.
1: That's for the next program.
3: Uh, so <laughs> the similarities of aluminum foil and Ethiopia Tore by <laughs> Ross, Ross Walters. Walters. <laughs>
1: uh, edit this part out, seriously.
0: So I <laughs> was basically the first couple times I roasted it. It just roasted way too quickly. Yeah. The RRR was higher than I wanted it. The bean temperature was higher than I wanted it at the time of roast. And so the development phase, the browning phase, they both were just, like, totally off. And the coffee just was green. There wasn't any sweetness. It didn't have time to have, like, Any amount of that, like, black tea or those, like, sweet notes, it tasted a little bit like green coffee, and that was it. Yeah. And so I changed. I just stretched it out the best I could. I, like, literally charge it lower. The charge temp for that coffee is lower than any coffee I've ever roasted here by, like, a lot. Low and slow, baby. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, I mean, I don't know how much hard numbers matter, but it's like a dev time of like 2.10 to 2.20, whereas the first one, because it was a light coffee, I did like 2.02 dev time. Stretching out the dev time, 10, 15 seconds, makes a huge difference, and the middle phase being like 5.05 to like 5.15 at the max. You start losing some of that like sweetness, and the body starts getting more hollow past like a a five minute 20 second middle phase in my opinion and that's just because it's like the reason i know these things about tori is because it's like i make small mistakes and some days it was like raining and cold the night before and i charge it at the same temperature on a dry night Mm. and then the roast is slow and the middle phase is five minutes and 20 seconds or five minutes and 25 seconds and then everything else is normal and then i cup that coffee the next day and i know what it tastes like and I also think about, like, when I, roast a cur- when I roast a coffee, I look at it, and while I'm roasting it and also after the fact, I, like, think about what I th- expect that coffee to taste like. Yep. And then I compare how it tastes to my expectation,
3: and I try to learn.
2: Yeah. Wow.
3: Did you ever, uh, did you ever roast on any of the drum roasters that <laughs> we've roasted on over, over the years? No, dude. Okay. So the Loring is all that you've known. Yeah. How do you yeah. like working on the luring?
0: It's great. It's pretty embarrassing that it's the only roaster I've ever roasted on. Because yeah, anyone I ever anyone I ever talked to about it, they're like, "Dude, that's so awesome!" And I'm like, "Yeah, that's what everyone says." That's all yeah. I, know. I mean, I feel like it's great. I don't have any like real. I don't have difficulties with it unless I'm like troubleshooting technical issues. <laughs> no offense.
3: Right. Like. How does it work? Like, how, you're you're just adjusting temperature, right? Literally, just adjusting
0: so, the gas. The, the percentage open that the gas valve is. Is all I adjust, okay. and the like starting conditions of a roast, like charge temp, and like initial burner percentage.
3: Why does it sound like a
0: jet engine when it's coming on? Because uh, it has some. No, no, no. no, 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 no please, oh, please. I, I thought Sam was our I'm guest. I'm so
2: excited to talk about this that it, I just can't control myself. It
0: has these really, really high powered industrial fans to keep everything circulating and it has to just like completely purge the machine so that it doesn't explode
1: because it's Burning
0: running
3: gas. on convection too.
1: That's yeah. why it needs the fans to blow the
3: hot air into in. the, um, the drum. Does it blow cold air ever or just only like varying degrees of hot air? I mean,
0: it's room temperature in the morning. Okay. So yeah. So. You can
2: inject cold air into it, but that's only super. Uh, maybe we could play with this. But that's only super applicable for, like, you can leave the coffee at the end of a roast, leave the coffee in the drum and inject cool air into it. But that's if you're, like, roasting the second crack and you don't want to smoke up the room.
3: Oh, so it'll, okay. like,
2: flush out
3: uh, the initial smoke,
2: and then you drop your coffee. Yeah.
3: But we don't really do so, that. So first crack, right? Tell me more. Can you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, just, I'm just off the top of the dome right now, okay? This is people, things that people want to know. Okay. What is first crack? I know we're running out of time. What is first crack, and can you hear it crack?
2: I've got dibs on the next question. Ross is hijacking this program.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm just a curious, dude. First crack is the point in the roast when the water that is stored. Okay, so coffee, coffee bean, Coffee's a fruit. Is it first of, all. of It's a fruit, and kind the coffee alone. bean is the seed. You know, it's inside seeds.
3: Mm. No water. Tell me.
0: <laughs> water Water. Okay. okay, sorry, I'll make this more concise. There's water inside, and when you roast the bean, it is a solid structure, and the cell walls don't allow water to escape, and they're just it's a rigid structure, nothing can get out. The water evaporates within the bean. When the bean boils, like reaches the boiling point 212 degrees and beyond. the water inside will start to evaporate and the pressure from the steam that's created. Grows as the temperature increases until the bean literally splits open and the water vapor is released.
1: Mm, like popcorn.
0: It is.
3: So that's first crack.
0: That's first crack. You can... Sometimes I hear things that I'm like, is that first crack? But usually this thing's just like... <laughs>
3: Whoring
2: is yeah. very loud. Back the to the jet time. engine. Yeah. So my question for you is... What's the single area where you have changed Valor's roast curves the most since, you know, the system that I, I would say I kind of developed me, yeah. and handed to Dale. Dale and I developed together. And me. And you? Yeah, yeah you, were, you were just there. Uh, how, has, how have you changed the way we roast coffee? Is there one area you can point to? that's like, I changed this a Great lot. Great question, Riley. It's pretty good. As and who do you think you are to, to take the privilege to do something like that?
0: Uh, the thing that I've changed is... I mean, really, the thing that comes to mind is just, like, cupping really, really frequently. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> that has definitely just made it possible... I mean it's also just like the same philosophy I think carrying over from the cafe of like when someone's like we've I point at you cuz we've you've said this to me of like asking someone they're like here's an espresso and it's like you ask someone at the cafe you're like what do you know what that tastes like and they're like no and you're like why and it's like cuz I haven't tasted it and it's like okay it's kind of kind of similar thing so that helps me know what to change as far as like actual how I profile or how I onboard coffees I haven't changed very much there are coffees that we still have like like the Brazil Peaberry that I profile it a bit different than Dale did but I've also changed the profile on that thing like a lot so how and why uh Well, it's actually interesting because I think part of it might have to do with the seasonality of the coffee and, like, when you're approaching, you know, the post-six-month part of it being green coffee still. I think that you probably just have to, like, reprofile. It might even be worth just reprofiling every quarter for Mm. a coffee that you're going to have a lot just with aging and, like, moisture changes or whatever happens, just all the variables.
3: And that's the coffee we roast the most of by a lot. Yeah. Like, by twice like twice or three times, yeah. Of, of everything else, yep.
0: yeah. Uh, so definitely, I changed it sometimes. I changed the length of the de- development phase. Most recently, I've like decreased it by like eight seconds, and I've increased the middle phase by like 10 seconds ish.
1: 8 to 10 seconds. And you see significant change?
0: Yeah. So with the pea berry, it was, like, developing a lot. The dev time on the previous one, it was just r- getting really roasty, starting to taste hollow, starting to taste, like, kind of carbony, in my opinion. And I didn't like it. But when I would, like, develop it less, it would just taste really acidic and bright. Mm-hmm. Um so it was kind of tricky, but there there's a happy medium and I can definitely tell like cupping it when
2: it's done well, yeah. Or if it like needs to be different. God wow, that's over. The moment you guys have been waiting for, our review of Big Face Coffee.
3: <laughs> oi, oi. How was opening this package, Ross? I really enjoyed looking at it mm-hmm. with my eyes mm-hmm. and my brain. Mm-hmm. And then when I tried to open it, it was kind of hard to do. Um, the you have to pull a little tab to get the the thing open. Very hard to do. Mm. Uh, this, the tab here or the, the tab on the side. Yeah, yeah. I think you got a video of it. I yeah. don't know if that's linked below or not, it's but probably over. <laughs> it's probably overlaid. Yeah. Well, it might be linked below too. But um, it does
2: perfectly rip. Oh yeah, that.
3: that that is nice. A little yeah post post rip right through the name. Yeah. yeah
2: but it's like a vibe, but it's no a vibe. in a good way yeah, right? yeah. And then but you
3: said they, the I the the u x of the bag itself was super rough um tactically speaking mm. uh visually it looks awesome, but
1: yeah you can you can do it upside down too, oh my goodness, it's got branding for days that bag's got stuff all over it, mm. every side's got stuff all over it.
2: It really is like that. It, they don't have... So all, it looks like all their internal bags are the same. Okay. Because there's nothing about the coffee on the internal bag. So similar to us mm-hmm. in that way. Uh, and then all the boxes are the same, and they just have a label. Wow. Yep. So yep. The, we're we're calibrated. Oh, and it, and it corners. And it corners. Hey, a lot of... Did they... Do you think that, you don't think they <laughs> they, they took all, all of their inspiration. <laughs> I
3: mean, they definitely have the whole like uh cheeky one liners all over the box yep. thing which we also Contains do.
2: Contains Smile Matter
3: trademark. Yeah. Uh, may,
2: may cause in, involuntary happiness. Uh we have liftoff. Lift to release Smile Matter. All systems go. Lift to release my matter. The uncommon, in common. Big face. I think that means independent origin.
1: Isolated origin. Isolated origin. Okay.
2: Filter. So single Filter. origin? Yes. Nice. <laughs> uh, man, this is. there's just so much.
0: What does this one say? Oh, that's just instructions.
2: Yeah. Oh, no, lift to release my matter. Yeah, they both say the same thing on the sides. Inside, yeah. Uh, so... That's all nuts. I, I do want to make a note about this coffee and say that its return address was Bentonville, Arkansas. And I think mm-hmm. we all know what that means, which is awesome because Onyx roasts amazing coffee. If I am spreading fake news like I typically do for my own personal <laughs> gain, uh, then please let me know in the comments. But I am sure a cursory search of the interweb would show that this coffee is a white-labeled Onyx coffee. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you think Onyx sells this coffee?
2: Mm, no, I bet they
3: don't. They I don't guess. need to. Yeah. They're good.
2: But, yeah, yeah. yeah, let's just let's really dive into it. Uh, content out of 10 of the box. Okay. All right. One, two, three, nine.
3: Seven. I didn't
2: answer. I didn't know. That's how we we're doing it.
3: All right, so it's an eight.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, No paragraph or, like, details about the coffee specifically on here. And it's just all flair over function, I would say.
3: Yep. For sure. It's It's, all branding.
2: But it's really good branding, so that's kind of why I went high.
3: Yeah. Okay, next category. I will say
2: uh, this box is trendy and... I know that just like all packaging is trendy and gets recycled, but I feel like this is gonna have a pretty short shelf life before they change it up. No doubt. Aesthetic out of ten. One, two, three, eight. ten. What'd you say? I said seven, but now I feel dumb. No, you're not no,
1: dumb. Stick to your guns. Did you say nine? I said eight. I said nine.
2: Okay, so we had nine. seven, eight, nine, ten. So eight, eight and a half. Eight? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, super fun. Yeah, yeah.
3: The the reflective stuff's awesome.
2: I didn't have u x
3: out of five
0: yeah, I can't rate this, I didn't use it, right all right, ross
1: ross u <laughs> x score
3: can you count me down one, <laughs> two, three. Three. three, two, dude, you're wow. supposed to go in five
1: savage yeah. you also counted them up,
2: one two <laughs> mainly just because of the the rips all the rips So bad
3: yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I had to grab scissors, um, the rips on the bag, it broke. Once mm. I ripped it, it still didn't open. I cut it. The zipper is trash. Um but it looks cool. Yeah. and the coffee tastes good.
2: All right. Flavor out of ten. One, two, three, eight. eight, seven. Eight. So we're gonna go with an eight. Any thoughts on it? That the what was the note? What what were the notes? Pomelo, here? baby. The Pomelo. And the there. gooseberry. It was there, yeah. It was just it just tasted yeah. like grapefruit. For yeah, sure. it was great. Tart, bitter,
1: good bitter. Not all bitters bit bad, guys. Not all bitters bad. Yeah.
2: I didn't love the espresso, but I think that was on us because this coffee is so freaking light. Yeah, that yeah. we just couldn't pull great ek shots of it.
1: I had it was on it was zeroed out, and then we had to even calibrate it our ek down even more to get it like chirping to get it to pull in like. The, at least 23 seconds mm. but the one i think the espresso that i used for the cappuccino was a little better mm-hmm. um, which is always lame i think it's more of the ek and all that grind retention the fact that i did the exact same thing but the shots were three seconds apart mm-hmm.
2: how about enjoyability out of 10 one two three nine. seven nine wow
1: what'd you say
0: nine me too nine nine eight seven
2: well, what, what did you find enjoyable about it?
1: I
3: really,
2: it was... Uh, we didn't even, did we even say that this coffee was from Burundi? We have not. Said
3: that At any
1: point. The, the, yeah, it's a washed Burundi, right? Yeah. Washed Burundi.
3: <laughs> I mean, just for a washed Burundi, I'm expecting like an acid bomb. Yeah. But it was a really, <clears throat> excuse me, it was a okay. really pleasant acidity. Yeah. Great sweetness. Drinkable, but complex. Yeah. I, I mean, that's kind of all you can ask for.
1: I couldn't agree more, Ross. I wish
3: I had more of my pour-over. It's not... Yeah, Same. It's, it's... I mean, we can always make I'm probably going to make more of this whenever we uh, get
0: close. Dude, make a not for me.
3: Especially <laughs> for such a light coffee. Like, you know, in, in light of our earlier conversation, when you were dialing in Torre, it was so green that the acidity was just like ter- terribly too high, right? I mean, like, acidity is like through the roof. So for it to be so light... And the acidity to be so balanced with the sweetness is like Bravo Onyx. <laughs> big, big, big Allegedly. Case. Sorry. Uh, crunch. About to break my teeth. Not bad. Let's go, Crunch. One, two. It says out of five. One, two, three, five. five. Wow. Let's go, Crunch. Did you say four? Yeah. Three fours? That five. tastes yeah. exactly like the pour-over.
0: Mm. Yeah. yeah, it was a great crunch. It's very tasty. I gotta have like 500 milligrams of caffeine just in those.
2: Dude, one thing about you and Luke being in the warehouse is that you guys will drink coffee anytime it's made. So every time I make a pour-over, you guys say, hey, can I have some? Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> the, the tax. <laughs> the tax. <laughs> uh, this coffee score a 39 out of 50. It's one of our higher rated coffees for sure. Great. Um, So Bravo Onyx, you get the valor stamp of... Sorry, Bravo Big Face, you get the valor (laughs) stamp of approval. (laughs) Can't not do it. We're going to be wrong. I know. They're going to have a headquarters in Big You're going to get ripped to shreds. Maybe the real estate's
3: just cheap out there.
2: Maybe Walmart's roasting it.
3: Yeah, Walmart's out there. Yeah. They They do good work sometimes.
0: It was a great
2: coffee. Sam, thank you for being on the show. Thank you, hey, Sam. Thanks, it's always a pleasure guys. to have you. We've got to do this more often. We, I, just, I think the last time we had you on, we just got you to come and just like tell us things about coffee. We need to do another one of those. You just need to figure out something crazy. We'll, just,
1: we'll wear our dunce hat.
2: Yeah, and we'll just be the idiots because, I mean, we don't know anything about coffee and it shows by our Instagram reels.
1: Yeah. Well, you
0: know enough to lie. We just know how to intentionally True. mislead people. <laughs>
2: intentionally mislead. Yeah, you're right.
1: Sam. Get back to work.
2: <laughs> get out of here. Oh, man. All right. Seriously, guys. We'll see. We really got to get back to work. Yeah, for sure. We'll see you guys on the next episode of the Valor Coffee Podcast. Like, rate, review, comment, share Instagram at Valor Coffee Pod. We love you. Bye.